0: Ladies and gentlemen, listen to the music bed, as Jared so instructedly Yay and told us that we're hot, live. the mics are live. So ladies and gentlemen, listen to Living by the Word Ministries, presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. We thank you for bringing, uh, coming back and joining us. If you're inclined, we have open lines. Eric is wondering why you didn't want to call him during the break to set up the calls. So let me answer the question for you. Maybe you forgot the number. Here it is, 888 5552 Call Eric right now. We have open lines. It's Mother's Day. I'm sure you got some kind of question tonight that's going on with you. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Been very interesting questions so far today, very, very interesting questions as usual. So join in, participate, 888 5552 That's telephonically participate. Everything else is Bible info brokers on the, the formats, Facebook, email, tweet, or messenger as questions. And so on those formats, as you're setting up those questions, let me give the opportunity and the privilege that we take very serious, which is to give this message. And if we give no other message at all, we never answer any other question, we want to answer the question about eternity and about why it's definitely too long uh, to be wrong in any aspect. And you don't have to be wrong. If you hear this good news that we're about to give you and take it to heart and let the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about earlier work on you, which he will do. Now, will you hear him? PCH, the Holy Spirit that's working uh through his word giving us a great gospel, good news for the world. What is that good news?
1: Thanks, Daryl, and he really has. And I'm actually going to use something that, again, I want to go back to to Daryl to, to Dan's question about the word sinister and relate that. And, again, I had time to, to to look up during the break from just a straight dictionary of sinister, suggesting or threatening harm or evil, a sinister smile, for example, causing or attending harm or evil, pretending misfortune, and, and in sense, pretending a sense of uh, foreboding of misfortune or disaster, ominous, sinister storm clouds, attended by or causing misfortune or disaster. And then our archaic on the left side of the left uh, there. Lastly, so you see that. But think think of that word sinister, which by the way is Latin, not Greek or Hebrew. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the the, the concept of sin and sinister come that would be Latin. But we want to look at the Bible written in Hebrew, the old, bulk of the Old Testament, and then the New Testament in Greek. Uh, that's where we want to go. And note, it reminds me, and here I'm going to turn a corner. There was a debate, for example, in the early church, actually, this was in the three, four hundreds, between a guy named Jerome and another guy, a theologian, a thinker, I mean, Augustine. And they were debating the issue of justification and what that means. And the the point was even though he was partial to Latin and didn't really did study Greek all that much, Augustine at least knew that part of the problem with Jerome's view was that Jerome was using the word ustificare, which is Latin, which means to make righteous. But that, in fact, the word dikaios in Greek is to declare righteous as a legal forensic term. It's alien or external to the person. And you're not inherently righteous, but you are declared righteous. Now, I can hear people go, what in the world is the point mm-hmm. of all that stuff? He does that. The point is this, my friend. God, for those who trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who believe he died and rose again for their justification, as we're told, for example, in the beautiful chapter of Romans 4 several, several times, those who trust in Christ are declared righteous, and that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, some societies, some cultures have a, had a saying, basically, it's a good day to die. But, but That's not the biblical view. The biblical view is it's a good day to live, it's a great day to live to God, only to die to self in the metaphorical sense. Our fallen nature, our sinful nature it's a good day it's the best day today isn't it indeed as it says in one place in scripture that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get right with God yes it's mother's day here in America and much in the western world will we celebrate our mothers and I'll appreciate them and those at least that had- you know healthy families, and your mother wasn't you know really messed up on drugs or you know unfortunately something like that. But for those of us who had healthy moms who were emotionally, spiritually healthy and godly, as, as mine was, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. But the, the, beside that, it's still to the point. It's the right day to get right with God. It's a great day to ask God for forgiveness of your sins, of your failings, of your misfortunes. But not just misfortunes, because misfortunes can happen to you. But sin is something we do. We commit it. Is not just perpetrated on us, but we are the perpetrators of sin. Sin is, means literally, in Greek, for example, means to miss the mark. You're shooting at a bullseye and you don't hit the bullseye. And for some of us, we're even aiming the wrong direction. Uh, we're not even aiming towards <laughs> the target overall, let alone the bullseye. But the good news is, one more time, this is a great day to get right with God, to ask God for forgiveness, to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and to pass from death, spiritually speaking, to life, spiritually speaking, to just as you were born physically, and obviously it's why you can hear us and are listening to the program right now, so you need to be born again. That is, you need to be born from above, born anew, to to be spiritually become alive and have a relationship, and then fellowship with God. It's in that order. You can't have fellowship with God unless you have a relationship Mm. with Him. And my friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you have no fellowship with God. You may think you and the man upstairs, however you want to say that, are fine, but you're not. Uh, You may say that, but that's not what He says. He says that you are estranged, you are alienated, you are separated from Him. And the wise person gets right now, not when you die, because that's too late, right now, to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, believe on Him, and know that, as we're told, for example, in a little epistle towards the end of the Bible, in 1 John chapter 5, in chapter 5 he tells us, these things are written that we may know that we have eternal life. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, those who do that right now, you can know, not just hope or pray or like to believe, you can know that you have eternal life. My friend, do you know that you have eternal life? Then it's time to get right. Trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and know that He gives you right now eternal life.
0: Wow. P.C., as you were just um, giving the gospel message, really appreciate that. I'm just trying to listen as maybe the listeners may be listening out there, believer or not. And uh, in your explanation, as gracious as it was, as, as as kind and direct to the point it was, I can't help but think that people out there are thinking, are you guys uh, may be having the mitigated gall to say that um, all the other religions in the world by default who don't accept Christ as Lord and Savior— are eternally doomed. You are. You, I mean, you're kind of saying that, aren't you? I mean, in the reality of the matter, uh, without being mean spirited, that's what you're saying, bro. Well, not kind of. Well, well, yes, it is. I mean, look,
1: God forbid, I have a, a, a certain, a particular terminal illness, and. Uh, either the doctor says it or I just I, I, um, blurt it out and say, are you telling me that you're saying there's only one way to cure this? There's only one efficient uh medicine that is efficacious it will heal me and then if i started going off and how narrow and intolerant and bigoted that was that that's ludicrous it, if in fact there is you have eternal disease and if if indeed there is only one cure then all the others are not cures they're placebos they are they're fake they're false they're not, are, minimally they're not right and so Uh, Yes, how dare we, and I know some people can say, who do you guys think you are? And we're like, well, we don't think we're anybody special, but if there is a God, and God has revealed this to us and given and proven us by overwhelming evidence, particularly Jesus' incarnation, His perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection, then, you know, I We are we are only heralds. We are ambassadors. An ambassador doesn't go who's sent to another country, for example. (sighs) They don't go and say whatever they want to say. They're sent by a president or a prime minister or other government official or officials, and they are told what to say. Either literally, it's scripted out verbatim, mm-hmm. or at least here's the gist. This is what we want you to tell this other nation or these people, and they have no authority to depart from that. And if, indeed, if Christianity is true, and that's a $64,000 question, and we believe it is, and we believe the evidence is overwhelming, and we'd love to talk about that, indeed, from the rest. Resurrection. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday or yes. Easter, as most people call it, but I refer to it as Resurrection Week, Resurrection Sunday. If indeed it's true then then it, all that matters is what God says. It's that we're, you don't decide truth here by taking a poll and saying, well, you know, other people believe other things. Yes, I know they believe other things. It doesn't, just because people believe it, because millions or a billion plus people believe something, doesn't make it true. That's a form of what we call an ad populum fallacy. Mm. Something is not true because a lot of people believe it. It's true because it's reality, because it's the way life is. And the reality is, we are sinners, that is, we are imperfect people, separated, alienated from God, and all other religions—indeed, Daryl, mm. so I'll say it even one more time, one, another different way—all other religions teach either you are not saved or right because you don't realize who you are, which is your alleged divinity, and or you need to earn or merit Salvation, you you earn it by your good works, and Christianity is the only religion, and of all of them, that says no, you can't earn it, you don't earn it, you can't earn it, and salvation is not becoming divine. In fact, that's a lie that got us kicked out of fellowship with God in the first place. We don't become an angel either; we can become perfected, glorified human beings. But that's only through the work and power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ,
0: Brian. I, when I when I called that play, you as a teammate perked up and said, "I got the ball." You know, you yeah, are going to get the shot. And then Craig grabbed the ball and was going towards the hoop. I do not want dishonor to dishonor the call for you as well, sir. You have anything you want to say on that subject? Because you get you perked up when I said, how dare I say that." You, and you you got your got your face no, on. It. No,
2: no, no. I, I think I think Craig. It, it's I, again. I I normally. When when I talk to people or people say something like that, I totally have a different approach, pretty much. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, me. it's, it's, uh, like they'll say something about, uh, Jesus Christ or Christianity or, uh, whatever the case might be. And my thing is, um, it's like, wait a minute, you mean you don't believe in Jesus yeah. Christ? Yeah. I mean, I kind of take that approach pretty much. Or, um, something about my faith or whatever the case might be. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, wait a minute. What, you know, do you believe in George Washington? Well, yeah. Did you ever see him? Never talk to him? You know, I just go that route. Well, you know, if that's the case and you believe in George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or whatever the case might be, well, there's more historical documentation on Jesus Christ, what he did, yes. dying for our sins, rose from. The- so in fairness, you believe in George Washington, you believe in Thomas Jefferson, but why wouldn't you believe in Jesus Christ,
0: Amen. You know, guys. <clears throat> and I, I would say this, and we go into the calls right. Hang in there. We're going to get to your question, Reverend Field, as well. But I was just simply say this: as unique as God has made all of us by simply the fingerprints, all different. Then I'm saying that I don't believe that the evangelism that we do should be any by any means cookie cutter. You. And everybody that is listening to us right now have a world that is different from our our own. We all, even though we're teammates here, we have worlds that we contact, different people that we contact all over the world in our, in our various sphere of life. And I'm suggesting that. Whatever God, God's word is not going to change. The basic truth of what we said is not going to change. But how it's disseminated or presented, you know, how they say presentations everything. You could have a great meal, Craig, as much as you like food. I know you don't want that food thrown on the plate any old kind of way, look all mushy. But you want to consider who you're serving and consider and prayerfully ask God, how can I talk to this person as an individual about your gospel? And it's just amazing how the, if we can just do a book on the different ways that people presented the gospel of Jesus Christ, and context whereby people came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Just think about your own life and how you came to know Christ and you can follow the etymology of that go back and find out how you came to know Christ and all the people that were involved so much rejoicing should be going on.
2: Well you know Darrell I look at it as you know part of it is a game that you love, tennis.
0: Say it so. You know. Even
2: more than golf. If something's served to you, you know, you're going to hit the ball back. That's it. But it's yeah. going to be based on, you know.
0: The type uh, of serve is coming. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And then what you hit back that individual's going to say something,
0: so they're going to hit it back exactly. at you. Exactly, and you go back and forth. It can back. go this way, this way, whatever the case may In that might. gentleman's game of tennis, that's what it's supposed to be, just like the gentleman's game of golf. I could have said gentle person, Craig, to be more woke, but I'm going to say gentleman yeah. game. And I and
2: I think a lot of it is, you know, I, I know Craig talked about his lifestyle before he became a Christian.
0: What? He had one of those? Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I would have been his uh, agent in cage fighting. <laughs> but but I, I think a lot of people, they just don't want – they think that the Christian lifestyle is just a certain way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't want to give up their lifestyle and the way they live and the things that they do not knowing the kind of lifestyle they would have in Christ.
0: And, folks, that's why a little bit later on, I'm going to give Brian an opportunity that you guys know how you could participate in ministries like this to make sure they're being promoted, whereby it would give you the Word of God in an unadulterated sense, uh, exegetically correct, as opposed to eisegetically correct. correct. Remember my little game show? I'm giving you a chance, but it's too late now. I already got things working on that game That game show about those two things. But it's both correct, either how you say it, Craig, eisegetically are exegetically, but they're both correct. Yeah, that may be true, but telephonically, I've got. I already answer. said it, bro. I already <laughs> said it. And telephonically, you can call Eric right now because Ray is the only one on the line. There's other lines that Eric has at triple eight nine nine five 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 two, triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Brian, what do you want to say? No, I'm saying if they call, they can participate in the show. You know, you guys are kind of taking my words as though it's kind of, kind of funny stuff. I'll be trying to uh, promote uh, phone calls, guys, and not only phone calls, but also on the Facebook page. I see folks out there. Have you shared it? I see one person shared on Facebook. See, this is what I like about Facebook and his social media, where it's sort of like OPP, objectively provable uh, situations are there, where you can see that only one person shared on Facebook when I really request it and I'm not begging, but you know, just ask yourself the question, what you're going to say when God said you could have clicked that button and all your contacts could have known about Bible information brokers, just like, you know, about it on Facebook, all the other social media things that you have whereby you can share the word of God. And even in the archive shows, Brian, cause archive shows are usually up by Wednesday, right?
2: Yeah. They're all caught up now, except for the last week. And so that'll be up, um, uh... This week, and uh, but they're all pretty much all, everything's up there,
0: and that's non-telephonically, correct, By the way, that's social media wise. Oh, gosh, Facebook land, as I say. Okay, guys, let's go back to the phone calls at triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Call Eric right now; he has some open lines. Everything else is Bible info brokers, as we've been saying. And um, you know what? But before we do back, Ray, hold on for a second. Ray, we're going to get to your question in a moment about Romans. Brian, please let the people know about the um, the uh, Bible study on Wednesdays. I'll tell them about the chronological reading on Facebook. And Craig, get prepared to talk about your channel.
2: Yeah, Daryl. Every Wednesday we have a, a virtual Bible study, and um, they can go to the they can go to bibvbs as Bible Info Brokers Virtual Bible Study Wednesday night seven thirty mm-hmm. p.m. And again, it's a Zoom so uh we we deal with different topics and we just finished dealing with uh uh dealing with spiritual warfare ephesians uh we went through uh, a lot of the passages in ephesians talking about the armor of god and uh and so now we're moving on but yeah wednesday nights if uh anyone wants to join they just go to b i b v b s that 's the um com. That's, this, uh, that's the link to get on the virtual Bible study.
0: Are those uh, Bible studies archived as well or not?
2: Yeah, I have them in, I because I have them on a PowerPoint. Right, right. And then uh, I've been – uh, we need to share them some kind of way.
0: Maybe we figure yeah, out how I, share I, No,
2: I have them on – I'm switching them over to a PDF so they can just go –
0: Well, folks that don't come, come to the Wednesday Bible right. study for whatever reason, maybe it'll be a, uh, follow along in archive format. Right. Craig, and I was talking about um, um, your channel for a second. Hold on for a second about that information. I want to just let people know that on our Facebook page at Bible Info Brokers on Facebook, chronologically daily, you can go follow along. And I think we're like on day uh, 120-something, whatever the days are in the year. Start off every uh, first first, um, day of the year. But you don't have to. You can start off whenever you want to and make that your year, like your fiscal Bible chronological reading. And that's just the way I like to do it. Uh, But please read the Word of God. God. And Brian and I was sharing before the broadcast how Brian, you said people are reading the Word of God and just clicking the Word on in, in a group text that they're done. So you could team up with folks and do that type of similar thing on the chronological reading or just read the word. We want you in the word. Man, if everybody can if everybody's a believer that can really get into the word on a regular basis. PCAs, you already know as a teacher and as a expositor of the word, man, that if people would do that, the lives of this nation or the life of this nation, I should, would change dramatically and more things like this Roe versus Wade type of thing we're going to talk about in a moment, maybe even more uh, transparent. PCA, what about this, your your channel thing? Am I saying it right? Well, thanks, Daryl. Appreciate that. (laughs) And
1: hey, two things actually, if you'll allow me. Yes. So people can, if they want more of this type of programming, they can tune into his channel oh, of course yes. twenty four seven three sixty-five. But in particular, I get the privilege of hosting a program called Today's Bible Questions. That's on Wednesdays from one to two o'clock. So so from one to two o'clock, today's Bible questions, and there's at least the, the last four or five weeks of on the on demand feature that one can watch and or listen. You can literally just listen or, or watch of course. Uh, through his channel, hischannel.com, Internet TV. And again, uh, to the point, I get to host the program, Today's Bible Questions, on Wednesdays from 1 to 2. And what you can do is, though, there's a number, and I'm going to give this number in just a moment, and you could call 247 365 and text your questions to this number, and I'll get those, and I'll be happy to, to attempt to answer your question or questions. The number is. Seven one four, eight one five seventy ninety seven. Seven one four, eight one five seventy ninety seven. So, so there you go, Gerald. That's that. That's that. And number two is it's in the uh, preliminary stages and the embryonic stages, if you will. But uh, talking with some brothers and they're, they're some sort have of wanted to start a study and maybe doing that, I just want to see if people are interested. Maybe they could t- text us or email us or Facebook, however, you know, whatever. you know, All those methods, all on. the methods. Right, all of the above maybe. But uh, just saying, hey, I would be interested. And we don't mean to be sexist. We're not trying to leave the women out, but we just believe men are, are particularly under a lot of things going on in our culture and society. I mean, they're off on the brunt of jokes and every goofball and any com- comedy or otherwise is is the doofus is a guy. Um, so – we just think there's special things that men are facing today, and we're con- particularly concerned as well about young men, and we want to train up a generation of young men, and we're talking about having a, a, a get-together like on on a Saturday night or Sunday night, maybe once a month or twice a month, we're not quite sure yet, and get-together with men. You don't have to have a son or bring a young man, but we are encouraging that because we not only want for ourselves to grow in our most holy faith, but we want to pass on to faith. We want to leave a legacy, a, a, a positive, proactive legacy to our young people, to our young men. And I've got some brothers that really are, feel very strongly about this, and so we're really seriously looking into doing this. And again, I'm not sure if it would be you know, I don't think it'd be one. You know, every week, but maybe twice a month, or, or at least once a month. And again, some intense study dealing with you know biblical studies or topical studies on things like like the issue of well uh, this is our, one's gender versus their sex, if you will, and those types of issues and how it's in, impacting our society. Again, we really want to speak the truth. We want men to grow, but we want young men. And in particular, to be a disciple, to mentor. What does it mean to be a man? Not toxic or some weird thing, but what does it mean in a biblical biblical context to be a man? Mm. And and what what does that entail? What does that look like? And how does one stand strong in this day and age of relativism and every ism you can think of? And, of course, because I'm involved, you have to know there has to be food. (laughs) And so we're thinking... Uh,
0: surprise. Surprise.
1: (laughs) There's a I won't say it now, but there's a particularly well known barbecue place uh, out by where where we would be having this and we would probably either utilize their services, either cater and or barbecue ourselves, but we're looking at maybe one in particular. It's pretty well known in our area. Why? Because meeting without eating is cheating. So <laughs> men are gonna get together, you gotta have barbecue. Amen. Do I hear an
2: amen on that, Daryl? No. Brian? Oh. Brian and, do the and, Amen, and, man. I'm waiting for Craig to come again. out with the
0: t-shirt with that (laughs) saying
2: if he doesn't
0: if he doesn't all right now i'm on the roll i'm on a roll
1: (laughs) but again you know we just think men need to grow and mature in their faith and stand strong and we want to and and, as just as much as well we want to impact we want to disciple we want to mentor young men in the faith and see them grow up to become men of god not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine but standing strong the Lord. So, hey, if that sounds of interest to you, if you have, uh, you, you don't have to have a young man in mind to bring with you, but if you would be interested in being involved in something like that, let us know. Let, let us know by email or otherwise Facebook if you have son a uh, son or sons or other young men you'd lo- like to bring to something like that let us know we're looking at launching this and we're just kind of uh, uh, soaking it in prayer and uh, marinating is probably the word I should use in light of the barbecue but uh, <laughs> that's where we are and uh, we really would appreciate your input if you'd be interested in being involved in something like that there you go
0: well look that sounds very spiritually mouthful Watering, so I know that people want to take advantage of all of that um, analogies that you gave and the opportunity to join in as men. We'll be talking more about that in the future, Craig. I really appreciate that. And it's serious, women, and please, women, find some place like that for you as well. And maybe, you know, we have to work on our, our, our womanhood, as it were, as far as getting that. Those type of things available and what we can recommend for women as well, guys. But listen, let's get back to the phone calls and the questions. And I know I've talked about earlier about Roe versus Wade and Reverend Fields' question. We need to get to it now because I'm looking at the clock, guys, and we're getting – we only have limited time on the broadcast. And maybe uh, through the giving of people, which they can participate in a little later, I'll tell you more about it. Or Brian will. Uh, then we can have more time to get more questions asked and answered. But right now, Mm -hmm. let's go to uh, the question from Reverend Phil from um, Messenger. And he says um, he's been away for a while in Atlanta, but he's back. Uh, With all the news about the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned, it has unleashed a protest and support like never before. In our Sunday school class that I teach, the debate is going on. Most of my class are women all over 70. Interesting. The question keeps coming up, what is the proper or biblical response for Christians on this issue? Some say outright no, others say it's personal decision, uh, and some say my body, my choice. The question of the day was if women... Have the right to abort? Doesn't the fetus have a right to life? I would appreciate your thoughts, Reverend Phil and Atlanta guys. Well, well again, go ahead, Brian. No,
2: my my thing is, you know, let, let's go to what the Bible says, and I'm going to argue that uh that that abortion is completely unbiblical. It's wrong. I think. That, uh, that baby has a right to life. And what, what bothers me is that it's like, you know what? I can be unresponsible, you know, unprotected sex. I can do this. I can do that. Oh, but if I get pregnant, oh, you know what? I can uh, I can abort this baby. You know, No, I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to, whatever the case might be. The choice
0: was there at that time. The, at yeah, yeah,
2: the choice was there <laughs> at their time. But now, um, uh, now that I'm pregnant, okay, well, I have a right to uh, take care of the mistake that I made by having an abortion. And I know Craig on one of the shows gave an explanation insofar as, you know, what is really your right? What is a right? And so maybe he, he'll he'll talk about that a little bit. So uh, regarding Reverend Phil, you know, no, a woman does not have a right to murder uh, uh, a human being, period.
0: And if, and if they did, you know what, real quickly before Craig is on, just focusing on the word right, if it's, uh how we deal with our rights in our in the United States, we all make the claim that those rights are given not by the government but by God. So I would like to know, from anybody's perspective, what right do we have to kill without us being threatened? You know, that's that's where my mind goes at with not the whole abortion issue, but just at least from the standpoint, who gives you the right to abort?
1: Correct. Well, sure. This is real important issue. Uh, so a couple of things. I mean, people, I, I'm going to use the word glibly, talk about, well, I have a right to this, right to that. And I'm like, what do you mean by a right? And where do, There's three questions. What do you mean by a right? What's a right? Number two is, what are those rights? And number three, where do they come from? And people just assume this. And I, I did, people spout off all the time, I have a right to this. I'm like, really? So someone, what if you say in California, I have a right to drive? Well, the state begs to differ with you. Right. They say it's a privilege. privilege. Mm-hmm. And if you violate the conditions, they will revoke mm-hmm. your license. Yeah. You will not have a right. And so, by the way, it's interesting in Europe, which is far liberal, um, much more liberal than here. America to the there is no such thing if you want okay there is no there is no right to abortion so we need to talk about this. So a right is, is a just, entitle, just entitlement to X, whatever X may be. That means you are owed this. There is an entitlement to it, and you can claim it. But every time there's a right, there's a corresponding duty or duties. If you have a right to something, that means somebody has a duty or an obligation to make sure you have that right. So p- some people have wanted to say, for example, in what was called the uh, 1948 the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, that you have a right to vacation. Well, I think that's great, but think of that. If, if you have a right to vacation, what if you don't live wisely and you spend all your money? That means, that means the rest of us would have to give you the money to go on mm. vacation. And and what if you're living in an agrarian area? And, and I know it sounds strange, but there are people, millions of people who live such. That means we'd have to come and take care of your animals and your crops. So people will want to claim these things, and there's no there's no thought behind what the obvious obligations that that would impose on others so if somebody tells me i have a right to to, to call myself a car and, and i say you do you can call you you can call yourself a car you can park yourself in a garage but you don't have a right to force me to call you a car and so th- 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 there's some real i mean i'm going to say this and i don't mean to be flippant there's some real silliness and shallowness in this whole discussion and so when somebody says, you know, for example, my, my body, my right, that's not true. You can't just do any drugs you want. You can't take your body and drive 150 miles an hour down the freeway. There's all kinds of things. By the way, I, I just had to chuckle with COVID. The government was mandating vaccines in many, you know, federal mm-hmm. jobs and exactly. it works for the government or the military. So, and I just had to chuckle. So, I, oh, when it comes to abortion, I have a right to my body. But when it comes to vaccines, the, the state says, you don't have a right. You, you will take this or else. So there's such hypocrisy and inconsistency. Now, I don't mean to be insensitive to women, but I, and, and I know some have already said, oh, you're clearly a sexist pig. You know, I've already got all the titles put on me, uh, what have you. But let me say this. Some people will say, well, of course you say this because you're a man. Well, first of all, arguments don't have gender. I'm saying this nicely. I could say it crassly. Arguments don't have gender. And if you're going to do a circumstantial ad hominem fallacy on me, then there's a problem with that. My arguments aren't really just because I'm a man. And by the way, I will say this. Ironically, the vast majority of guys that I know that are not Christians, they're in favor of abortion. They actually support abortion. Why? Because they're off the hook. They don't have to provide financially for the child uh, temporarily or until it's at least 18. So please don't give me this idea, of course you believe that because you're a male. That is a total uh, uh, non-secular, logically. That is a a circumstantial foundation. the ad hominem, if you will. Um, it, my view is not because I'm male or female. My view is true because either it's right or good or it's not. So, I mean... If someone says, could you imagine, of course, California wants to say you can have up to 10 days or 30 days after the birth of a baby. Mm. So now it's a question, again, not even if it's human, but do I have a right to kill it? I don't like the child. I don't want the child. I decide if California has its way, and as they've already pushed at least up until the birth of it and right after in New York, I have a right to abort the baby. Who gave you that right? Uh, So, again, what is a right? What are the rights and where do they come from? And people confuse wants and desires with that you have a right to something. And so just a few more things here. I know I'm long-winded, but this is so important. Yes, it is. This is so vital. Um, so I would argue from a biblical perspective, there is no right to abortion. It does not exist. That's an oxymoron. It's like I have a right to go and bludgeon my neighbor next door. No, I don't. Uh, that That's not true, and you have a yeah you have a right to abstain from sex or to use birth control, not to use abortion as birth control, or the idea well you you're sentencing me to a to a life of poverty or whatever. Do you know how many people there are in America who want to adopt kids um it's really difficult. I know so many people who want to adopt, and there's not enough children to go around. So, I'm not therefore uh, saying, so go ahead and have a lot of kids out of wedlock or, or to give up for adoption. But this idea that it's, I've got to abort it or else I'm doomed to whatever is just not true. Uh, a couple books here quickly. The, the best book on this, my humble opinion, at least the most academic, scholarly, and readable, is the book by Francis Beckwith, Politically Correct Death. Politically Correct Death. Now there's a small book it's really a booklet written by a guy named Donald Shoemaker Donald Shoemaker I believe it's Abortion the Bible and the Christian and he did a phenomenal job in about 25 30 pages giving the biblical view of of life and abortion Donald Shoemaker but again if you want really a full treatment dealing with all the major arguments that are used to rationalize, justifies abortion. Uh, I can think of, you know, there's a book by a guy named Patrick Lee that's really academic, and that'll give most people just a headache, but it's really scholarly. But it's nonetheless an uh, excellent book and is scholarly but readable, Politically Correct Death by Francis Beckwith. If if you're a Christian and you're confused on this, even if you're not a Christian, uh, then I would encourage you to read get that book and read it, Politically Correct Death, And look at the arguments, because I think Beckwith does a fantastic job of of dealing with the arguments that are used to rationalize to justify abortion, whether one is a Christian or claims to be or not. And so this is this is an issue that is dividing our nation. It has been divided. And look, even if Roe v. Wade is struck down, and if indeed it appears this was it was leaked, and it's like the first in the history of the Supreme Court, and that's just problematic for a number of reasons. Robert Roberts, I believe, has, has authenticated that it was indeed a draft of Alito's argument. I think it's, it's one I understand. I've not read the whole thing yet, but the parts I do understand it says, I think, are really powerful. Jurisprudentially, as far as the arguments for it, I think his logic is phenomenal. But I, I think people are just going crazy because it's an emotional issue. And they think people are trying to force them, constrain them. I said it earlier. Then don't, then control yourself or you, to use birth control if you're going to have relations like that and you don't want to have children. It's like, I don't know what, what we can't understand. Having relations like that, that's how babies are born. I mean, this isn't rocket science. So why don't you take, why don't you do something to take care of that instead of trying, uh, want the option being to abort the baby? I know it sounds callous and hard-hearted. Uh, and, but I do want to say this. Look, if, if you're a gal listening to us right now and you've had an abortion, we're not thrashing on Indeed. you. We're not coming trying to come down heavy on you. That's That's not what this is about. We're talking about women who are in the throes right now with this – maybe find themselves pregnant and going, wow, what am I going to do? Can I, should I abort? We're talking about women who are just radically or otherwise advancing abortion, (laughs) thinking that even it's a a Christian thing to do. Um, No, it's not. So I highly recommend Politically Correct Death, again, by Francis Beckwith. It's out of print, but you can get it for four or five bucks. You can probably get the book cheaper than postage. Or you can find the book out of print, but well worthwhile. I believe in my even be online somewhere it's on it's, like it's donald on um, shoemaker
2: It's on that. it's on amazon craig i just looked it up
1: there you go yeah thanks brian donald shoemaker that's on abortion, it too. the bible and the christian
0: yeah they're, they're there both you go. on there you know guys, so, I, go ahead go ahead craig and i just make a final thought we go just, on.
1: just quickly this is so important but even if Roe v. wade is overturned it goes back to the state
0: indeed the state, that's that's a good very good point mandate
1: it and, and look, you know, California may pass something in that, you know,
0: Worse. The guarantee Worse. Yeah. Mm.
1: As New York has and all that. But look, it, it doesn't mandate it. It's, it's, it's done on a state basis. And the, here's just the last point. The irony is all these talking heads. And who were saying, uh, well, this is taking uh, – the Supreme Court is taking the power away from the people. No, it's not. It's the exact opposite. Yes. It's putting it back to the states. And the people right. through their representatives can vote. What happened was in Roe v. Wade and in Casey, which was just incre- incredible. What a boneheaded case. Sometimes I think I'll read some stuff on here from the, from the holding. and It's just ridiculous. The reasoning is so bad. But at any rate – Um, What it does is it actually turns it back to the people. Instead of the Supreme Court legislating uh, from on high to everybody what was going to happen, as it has for the last 50 years, if you will, it actually gives it back to the people through the states and the representatives to vote on it for each state to decide if they are going to allow abortion, or what level or measure of it, or not at all, how is that usurping the vote of the people? That is not usurping democracy. Or and by the way, it's, we're not a democracy; we're a representative mm-hmm. form of government. But it's actually giving it back to the people. It's not them abrogating some uh, right or duty to themselves. If anything, it's the exact opposite.
0: I'm going to say two things, Um, screw tape letters. I'm just wondering which demons are just rejoicing at all the chaos that's going on right here and what demons are. You know, just that whole spiritual world that we're dealing with in this type of issue is got to be one of the most wicked, sinister, whatever you want to call it, things that we do left, right, in between as human beings to so just think about that particular pay, uh, situation with abortion. But the thing that really just drives me nuts, Craig, in regards to the whole abortion issue, even back in the day when Roe came out, I think it was I was graduating from high school at the time, that the the whole idea about the duplicity and the hypocrisy of man, even in their own laws whereby the very fetus that you can abort is a very fetus that you can go to jail for the rest of your life for if you happen to uh, kill a woman that's pregnant. And, uh, and what, like in a that, car accident. Yeah, that, that's vehicular ma- uh, manslaughter. You can go to jail for that as well, and then you get double charged because of the fetus that's in the mother's womb, you know, like that. So the hypocrisy that we have with the issue of life, death, abortion, and those things that we do in a way we Cry out as human beings and the arguments that we make that are so, from the logical standpoint, the most ignorant things I've ever heard. And, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I listen to some crazy stuff in life, but I I just – it's just hard to swallow the duplicity, the hypocrisy of, of our laws and how we can have a law that says that and then at the same time try to promote a law that allows you to do the very thing that you're going to send somebody else to jail for, as Brian even alluded to, for vehicular manslaughter, uh, on a double vehicular manslaughter because uh, the, the woman is pregnant.
2: That's all I have to say about
0: it right now. More to say later.
2: Yeah, what I do want to say is um, on Politically Correct Death, um, you can get it on uh, Amazon for uh, brand new 29 twenty nine ninety nine, 99 but use $1.80. Okay, Good. so that's under two bucks. Gotcha. And then um, abortion, the Bible, and the Christian, uh, brand new $7.05. If you want to get it, use $1.99.
0: Now, even when you said that, Brian, it just again it shows me the hypocrisy and the ignorance of the world whereby you can pay thirty, forty dollars for some foolishness and foolish books that you can get out there and read and so called self promote or make yourself feel good as a as a human being and things like that. But yet something as serious as this is now going for almost a giveaway price. You know what maybe that's a good thing. Um, that more people get it, but then if they go and buy, oh that doesn't really cost that much so it must not be any good. That's the way the human beings work, man. I, well, sure. I I'm getting I'm getting old and tired. I can feel it now, God. I may have to take off a few more weeks. Go ahead.
1: Yes. Well, I'll, one, one more here because I'm into resources, and people don't know that. Uh, as Brian said earlier, we don't just say we said it, so believe it. Uh, First Thessalonians five twenty one says, "Test all things," and we believe that includes what we say. But I really believe. Let me just say two things are related. C.S. Lewis taught, had an as an essay called "On the Reading of Old Books." and the and the, the reason he's and he's championing reading older books is cuz he says look sometimes we have this idea that they're archaic and hard to understand and his point was actually some of the classic books are much easier and much clearer they're much better than even mm-hmm. something that's written uh, and you know as a contemporary work their the, the lucidity of it the, the clarity is so much better and so but also, he says, you know, each and every generation, in each area, or society, or culture, we all we all make different mistakes. But generally, we don't make the same mistakes as another group at another time, uh, per se. Yes, there's overlap, but I mean, but but it's also also unique to us the mistakes we we make, such as moral failings, if you will, slavery. Uh, by the way, could you imagine, Daryl? What if I said, "Well, uh, I'm against slavery personally, but I, I can't say sure. <laughs> it. I just, I personally wouldn't own a slave. Hey, if you want to have one, so that's the idea. You know, I wouldn't have an abortion, but hey, if you want to have one, who am I to tell you? You do it all the time. You tell people they can't do things. You can't go around murdering people and all kinds of stuff you can't do. So those arguments don't really hold water either. But Lewis makes the point that it is good to interact, in the, and particularly that's going to be reading literature from different societies, different cultures, different times. And so here's my point. The early Church was adamantly against abortion, and was actually one of the first, I'll uh, say, institutions, if I can use that term, to actually start homes or centers to take in babies that yeah. were uh, abandoned, that were left out to, you know for infanticide, to die of exposure, which is very common in the Roman world, and somewhat in the Greek world, for example, among the Spartans and others as well. But the point was, they they were adamantly against this, and the early Church had no patience for abortion or other forms of, I'm going to use the word, infanticide. Mm. And there's a great book, if you want to read about this, it's not that large, but it's very accurate and very readable. The guy's name is Michael Gorman. Michael Gorman. It's called Abortion in the Early Church. Abortion in the Early Church by Michael Gorman, and you see that his research, that the Church had no patience. So somehow, if some people think, oh, you know, the Bible's so clear that women have a right to abortion. Well, look at the early Church. They didn't think so at all. They had no patience for it. They, in fact, they started, one, the Christians were one of the first to start what we call orphanages and to take in babies that had been left out to die. They took them in. Why? Because they believed that's not a blob of tissue, that's not an appendix to you that's not like an appendix or a gallbladder that is a human being genetically the arguments are clear genetically biologically that fetus the term we use which i understand but is an unborn baby it's Mm. not a potential human it's a human with potential
0: indeed you know, I, I appreciate the, the the passion, but I also appreciate the calm and clarity of which we talked about the subject matter, folks. Individually, collectively, let's do something about this. Let's do something about this and many other uh, topics that we're dealing with. Let's do something about it as an individual Christian. Do something, and then prayerfully do something. And the Lord will give you some guidance. Talking about the Holy Spirit giving you some guidance on some things. That would be a great way to see the various ways that we can combat these these evil things that goes on in our society. We just some sometimes as believers as you talk about the early church, Craig, what about the current church? What are we doing it for it as it collectively? Anyway, triple eight nine nine five 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 two. We have about ten minutes left on the broadcast. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Let's go to Ray. In the city of Los Angeles, right? Thanks for holding on and calling in. You bet. Um, I would like uh, to ask the professor
1: suppose somebody is evangelizing, and the person, the other person, says, Why, for example, should I believe in Jesus Christ? I think there's something that leads up to uh, everybody has a conscience. I would like him to fill that out, please, as to why they're responsible to Jesus ultimately. Um, I think Romans 2 could be Romans 1. Oh, absolutely, Ray. Romans 2. By the way, Ray, always good to hear from you. uh, Thanks for calling. Yes, Romans 2 is what we call general revelation that everybody knows about right and wrong. All societies, all cultures have views against murder, against kidnapping. Uh, uh, Bravery is valued. Cowardice is abhorred. C.S. Lewis... Uh, talked about this in The Abolition of Man. Half the book is, is basically just uh, ethical guidelines and principles from cultures throughout history and throughout the world holding to the same basic values. We often think they're so different, but they're really not. Um, again, The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. But the Bible does talk about this in a number of passages, and you're absolutely spot on to mention Romans 2. Even Immanuel Kant called this the moral argument that we all have a sense of right and wrong, and we have a standard. And you have to ask, where does that, where does this right and wrong come from? Where does this innate thing come from? Another way it manifests itself, and you mentioned, is conscience. We all know that certain things are wrong. In fact, we have a name for people, for people who Break the universal customs of right and wrong. We call them psychopaths or sociopaths. We have a name for those people. Right. Nobody goes, oh, I want to be a sociopath. Yes. I mean, you know, so there's something wrong here. So the beauty of this, right. I would argue it's, it's minimally two-pronged, Ray, is the evidence is overwhelming, as Brian and Daryl mentioned earlier. Uh, for Jesus, not just his historicity, because others would say, well, Buddha was his, the of Buddha was a historical person, but specifically the proof of Jesus. Jesus gave proof because he was challenged, and understandably so, when he claimed to be divine, to be God the Son, the Son of God. He claimed that he would prove it by his death, burial, and resurrection, and we believe he did that. In fact, I just noticed, by the way, Ray. Uh, Gary Habermas, who's one of the best, does some of the best work on the resurrection. His book, The Historical Jesus, is just one of my favorite books, and I think it's phenomenal in proving not just the historicity of Jesus, but the claims of Jesus to be divine. Uh, in the book, The Historical Jesus, but Habermas just had his dissertation basically reprinted, called "Risen Indeed." And he goes through the again the historical evidence for Jesus and his resurrection, and I believe the evidence is overwhelming. So if we study Buddhism, well, it doesn't really matter though. In one sense, a Buddha lived. One one could be a Buddha or what they call a Bodhisattva, for example, in one form of Buddhism. Even if there's there was no you know original Buddha, you don't need Krishna. You don't really need our our, you know. um, Shiva or uh, what uh, the other alleged deities of Hinduism, it stands or falls without them. But Christianity stands or falls exclusively on Jesus Christ. And so, one more time, we read right. the evidence yeah. is overwhelming, not just of his existence, but his proof to deity, and and this comports with our conscience. We know. That certain things are right or certain things are wrong. And let me just give you one example here quickly, Ray. I, I've been giving just what are called definitions, but I want to give what we call a denotative example. Uh, I've had a number of students do this, but I'll never forget one class I was teaching, and I had a student who had studied some philosophy, and he didn't realize I had graduate degrees in philosophy, but, you know, he had got a bachelor's, and he was a smart guy, and a real likable guy, but I was talking about morality and right and wrong, and I was telling trying to teach lawyers about morality. Some people think that's an oxymoron. <laughs> I, said, I said, and I told them, look, you want to pay attention because, uh, minimally, you, you don't want to be sanctioned or, worse yet, disbarred for doing something unethical, so you might want to pay attention here. But he was challenging me on relativism, that there's no true view that's true ethically for all times, all people all places, all circumstances. If you believe it's relative to one of those, then you are just that, a relativist. It's true or false for people, depending on the time, place, circumstance and, and 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 you know, what have you. So not true for all times, people, places, circumstances. And so when I teach a class, we're required, and I've done it for years anyway, to give a syllabus. And it's the syllabus is basically a contract. It tells the student, this is the matrix, this is the grid on how you're going to be graded. Your grade will depend on how you do according to the matrix that I give in the syllabus. And so this student was telling me, well, there's no real right or wrong, and, you know, people are, are wrong who believe that, and so on and so forth. It's all relative. And I said, really? I won't say the student's name, but, again, a likable guy, a smart guy. But he was just giving me what for. And I finally said to him, I said, so tell you what, forget the syllabus. I'm just, for you, I've decided I'm going to give you the worst grade in the class. In fact, it could actually be that you amateur, amateur means you got the highest grade, so you deserve, we give honors in each class, the person who gets the highest grade. I said, it may be according to my matrix here, the objective guidelines, which you don't really believe in, on my syllabus, that you actually deserve the best grade, but I've decided to give you the worst grade. And then I looked at the class and I said, now, are you guys all okay with that? By the way, it's great on the curve. Somebody gets the lowest grade. So they're like, great, because that means I don't get the lowest grade, the student thinks. So they were all fine, of course, with me giving him the worst grade. And here's and so here's the point, right? One
0: minute, PCH, so him, one minute.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Just quickly, I said so. He But he goes, you can't do that. That's unfair. And he he showed... By his, his conscience, he knew that it wasn't really right, and that he wasn't a relative. Sorry, that that's my point.
0: Hey, hey Ray, we really appreciate you, but we coming to a, close, a hard close. So we appreciate the phone call, brother, and I hope you got appreciate that answer, um, Brian. Real quickly, can you let Marcus and the rest of the listening audience know about the Wednesday Bible study? I uh, didn't need the information. in yeah. A closing thoughts. Y-
2: yeah, virtual. Uh, they can go to b uh, i b v b s Bible Info Brokers Virtual Bible dot com. Okay, and appreciate that's it. on Wednesday night seven thirty. Eternity thought. is too long to be wrong. You guys, just remember that.
0: PCH. Final thoughts, please.
1: Everybody knows there's a right or wrong, and you want to know how you know it because when somebody wrongs you, you demand justice, and you say it's wrong.
0: We appreciate all the. Thank you, PCA. We appreciate all the callers and listeners, uh, Ellen. We're going to start off the show next week with your questions about absent from the body, who is the um, the people under the altar, and the other question you had on messenger. Folks, thanks for listening in the Bible Information Brokers. It's this wonderful Mother's Day. We appreciate all the participation for all the listeners, those that were prayerfully considering things. Go to our website, see if you can uh, participate in giving. There, you can get the information about our giving process there on the website. On behalf of the whole listening. Uh, audience and on the teammates, we thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Eric, Brian, PCH. And my name is Daryl AZD Fulton. I am Mama Grace and Big Daddy's Baby Boy saying happy Mother's Day to you all. God bless you if he's willing. We'll be back next week with more of the Bible Information Brokers presented by Living by the Word Ministries and the listening audience. God bless.